Welcome to Change Out Loud, the podcast where change management intersects with everyday life. I'm Kara Sundar. And I'm Adnan Ali. Today we're talking about digital transformation. We have been involved in many, many projects and different sizes of organizations, and it seems like this is never an easy path. It's, it's challenging and it's difficult, and there is a great article that's come out in the May-June issue of Harvard Business Review. It's by Rita Gunther McGrath and Mike McManus, and they have a really unique approach to discovery-driven digital transformation that we're going to be talking about today. So Adnan, you and I have discussed for a long time some of the cultural implications to change around a startup culture, around a more established incumbent culture. Tell me what you are passionate about in that space and why change might be difficult or easy in either. Yeah, so I think in both cultures, you're ultimately dealing with people. So Mm. when we think about change, whether it's an incumbent organization or one of these more newer startup organizations, they're all built and made up of people. So there's quite a bit that we as change managers can tap into there because as change managers, we're on the ground working with people and we understand the various dynamics that go into implementing and adopting change successfully. I think with a topic like digital transformation, we tend to look at it as sort of a climbing Everest mindset Mm -hmm. of what is your digital strategy? If someone says that, I mean, I imagine this daunting trek, you know, through the Himalayas. I mean, that's what I (laughs) immediately go to. And with an end point. Like you will will reach Reach the the summit, you know, take your picture. (laughs) (laughs) But but that's not what it is, right? At its core, you're talking about really micro journeys, micro paths along the way that take you to this new place, but it's not an end place, right? It's a continuous evolution that's taking place. So I I think to answer your question, what I'm most passionate about around this space is I think it's accessible to all organizations, to all people, Mm. as long as we look at it and frame it from the right levers and really tap into the capabilities and the strengths of our respective organizations. So I think for today, we're going to focus on the more incumbent organization, the one that has infrastructure and resources and customers that already exist. And we can maybe provide you with some some tips and tricks on how you can guide digital transformation to be successful in your organization. So one of the best practices this HBR article points out is the idea of really putting some agile best practices in place. It's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast, agile change, but really agile strategy around digital transformation. So what were some of your big takeaways in that space, Adnan? Don't bet the farm. (laughs) Again, Mm. we tend to look at these digital transformation initiatives from the lens of this one massive monolithic program. Very expensive. (laughs) You know, it's taking up the resources of the entire organization and you're essentially betting the farm because if it doesn't go well, Mm. I mean, that failure will have some very real consequences for the business, but also the people in the business. You may, it may lead to layoffs. There are very big downsides. And the biggest thing there is you're missing out on a learning opportunity. So again, putting that agility hat and that agility mindset on, let's look at this from the customer perspective. Wouldn't it be so much better if we could have incremental benefits? We could have these smaller pilots where we have actual mm-hmm. users 
using the solution and we're learning from those users. We're understanding what they truly value as a value add to their day-to-day -day interactions with our business. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing. Don't go so big, start small and, and use those learning opportunities as a way to understand your customer and to build trust in what you're doing. Yeah, and maybe pick one process to start. You know, I think a lot of people get new technology because somebody's gone to a conference or met with a salesperson and it looks really exciting and you think, I want to be the kind of company that can, can take advantage of these things. But, you know, multiple millions of dollars later, years later, <laughs> potentially, you realize, oh, we really just needed to hyper-focus on this one process or one customer experience, learn from that and continue to develop. I'm thinking about design thinking though, with mm -hmm. what you mentioned around sharing something new with a customer, getting real-time feedback. A big part of design thinking is the prototyping. Even if you just draw it on a whiteboard and I saw a great example where a guy had a whiteboard of a phone and he was standing behind it, talking back to the person. <laughs> <laughs> which is so silly and yet he got real-time feedback right. if whatever he was offering was actually something that would be useful to the customer didn't spend a single cent on it so i love that idea of just even if it's kind of funny at first maybe you don't want to try this with your, your customers <laughs> but even internally what are some fun ways that we can play around with a new way to look at our processes or a new way to look at how we approach a problem. I think it's a really exciting opportunity to be creative without spending any money. Right. And, and, and many of these digital transformations, they happen in so many different types of firms too. I mean, you're talking across the board. You could be working in manufacturing, uh, mining. There's, there's so many mm. applications of digital transformation. And oftentimes our organizations, we have processes that we can quickly automate. So this is where mm. there might be a paper ordering system in place, for example. There are many organizations that still have manual physical sign-offs. You know, maybe we move Man. to a digital sign-off approach or building some sort of a web interface for a process that is completely paper-based today. I mean, I mean, we can always start small with these digital transformations and again, build on those smaller wins, build the trust, and then go from there. I love that. So let's talk about this new metric we learned, which is return on time invested. I think we talk a lot about return on investment when we're pitching a change and um, you know, mm -hmm. it's all a guess anyways. <laughs> but when we think about return on time invested, you know, the difference between maybe 30 people full time for three years to stand up this massive program versus maybe one full time PM, three months, a couple developers in their half time, you know, the, the time investment of those people, it really does add up because they're doing that instead of, adding value to you know, sales or, you know, automating something else. So I wondered if you had any big takeaways from as a change manager, what we can be thinking about when it comes to return on time invested. This idea of let's have incremental progress, the same applies to, to metrics. I, I think oftentimes we get bogged down in the metrics on the front end 
And, mm. and that does keep us from moving forward because we're so stuck in, well, how do we measure progress that we're not actually making any progress because we're too stuck trying to figure out how to measure the progress. So it becomes this really bad, vicious cycle. And I think we've all gone yeah. through experiences where that has happened. And I like the return on time invested. I call it ROT. The metric's a great one. So it's the total revenue divided by the number of employees. So over mm. time, the thought is as you're undertaking digital transformation, and these are multi-year journeys, let's be honest here, um, the thought is you would have a more productive um, employee base. So you can generate yeah. more revenue with fewer people because people are more productive, your processes are more efficient, you're truly undergoing this digital transformation. So I, I, I really like the metric and, mm -hmm. and I think um, I prefer it over ROI because I do think ROI, we get bogged down it with so many different variables that we lose sight of what it is that we're tracking and oftentimes what it is that we're even doing. Yeah. And you touched on something there that I think is really important around the de redeployment of skills. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that a lot of companies say that, you know, at the end of this, we're really going to need a different kind of person. And it's kind of unknown, frankly, until you actually go live with this huge thing and then you find more broken stuff and that you don't have the skills you need in-house. And it, it really becomes like a further initiative that you have to then mm -hmm. figure out who you need. Whereas if you can take these small wins and make a culture of, hey, do you have one process that you could automate? Hey, do you have one efficiency that you could find and use technology to progress? that gets everybody on the journey with you. And it's really exciting because that's something they can report out at their year end goals, right. summary, you know, it's, it's something everyone's doing together. So it's not just a digital transformation. It's a true transformation. Right. Everyone's a part of it. I, the what's in it for me is very clear for everyone. And then over time, hopefully you get more engagement too. So rather right. than this being more of a top down of here's the process we think we need to change, it's actually, I'm in the ground, here's what I'm seeing, we could totally innovate and do something differently with this process. What you might find and what you would likely find as you have more of these wins is an organization that's engaged and eager to transform. Mm, I love that. Um, another opportunity that an incumbent organization would have even more so than a startup is their access to data. Oh, yeah. So if we think about the data that we already have about our customers and thinking about what are some ways that we could create new value for them, just think about these piles and piles of spreadsheets and, <laughs> and data warehouses that you have access to that, you know, maybe with a, just a new perspective, you could really mine something interesting and useful that could set you apart. Do you have any thoughts for us on how to look at our data to make sure that we can, you know, see something new from it? You know, I, I think it's something that larger incumbent organizations forget is you're mm. sitting on decades, maybe even centuries worth <laughs> of customer data, really. And, and yeah. we forget that what an asset that is that a lot of startups don't have access to. So right. just in that, um, you have an immediate um, opportunity if you know how to seize it. So um, I do think it's important to um, 
bring in the right group of people together. So mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we look for, I call it the unicorns of the industry, you know, someone who yeah. understands how to manipulate the data and really, um, you know, dive into the data, someone who understands the customer perspective, and then someone who has the, the view into the strategy of the organization, right? right. Um, oftentimes, you, you don't get that in one person. It's very rare. Instead, you have teams of people that come together that coalesce to make these discoveries, these, to recognize and find these opportunities together. So, um, you know, I, I think the big observation there for me is build diverse teams, <laughs> you know, get mm. people that can bring different perspectives in the room together and, and give them that creative space to dive into the data to to find these opportunities because they're there. You just yeah. need to build the right team and, and have the right capabilities in the room to really you know, uncover those opportunities. And something unique about having a diverse team at the forefront is as your business changes, your competition will change. Mm-hmm. So I think for an incumbent, I work at a big four consulting firm and we know who our competition has been Right. But, you know, big four really, I don't think in 20 years, we're even going to be talking about that. It's going to be a lot of niche groups. It's going to be, you know, all different kinds of competition that we wouldn't have even thought about 20 years ago. So same will be true if you are embarking on a digital transformation that really is going to change some things. It's going to change things for you. It's going to change them for your customers. It will also change your competitive landscape. Right. So now's really the time to, you know, get up to speed on who's out there doing innovative things. What are some trends happening that maybe haven't impacted your industry yet, but are impacting others? It's a really exciting time to look out there and see, see what's going on and then be at the forefront of that and not be surprised. Yeah. And just broaden what it is that you do as an organization. You know, there was a really great example in the article that I liked, which was, Um, railroad companies. So Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think of a railroad company as just competing with other railroad companies, right? Really what they're in the business of is transport and and shipping. So they're competing with ships, they're competing with airline freighters, all all types, you know, uh, truck deliveries, like all types of ways to transport goods around the country and around the world. But if you're limiting yourself to, well, my competitors are only other railroad companies, you're missing this tremendous opportunity and, and all of this innovation that's happening in this broader industry that is transport, we have to look at our businesses the same way. You know, what are we in the true business of? Is, is it just this very small, narrow view or is it a broader opportunity? So it's so important that we're plugged into the transformation that's happening across the board um, with what it is that we do today, but also what it is that we might be doing in 10 years. And not just what we're doing, but also what is our customer expecting? Right. Kind of to your railroad example, the, the customer is thinking, what's the job I need to get done? I need to get this package mm-hmm. from A to B. They're not thinking, which railroad should <laughs> I select to get my package right, from A to B? Right. They just want it to go. Right. And so taking on that customer mindset as well, maybe you have a very clear picture of what it is that you do, but for your customer, it's not so clear. So being able to, to look at the landscape that way, I think that's Absolutely. a great point. So a really practical step that companies can take is tackling that change step by step. So 
within this HBR article, they talk about making an assumption map. So you write down from, to, and then what's our progress metric. So for an example, there's a financial services company that they have made an example in this area. So slow and inflexible financial and talent resource allocation. That's the from. And they're trying to move to dynamic prioritization and resource allocation driven by real-time data. So what's the metric that you would use to, to figure out if you're able to do that? Have we progressed from slow and inflexible to more dynamic? Well, the resource reallocation cycles go from quarterly or annual to weekly. And there's an increase in the number of experiments with strategic options. So basically, uh, maybe implementing um, tours of duty, you know, right. to another, another part of the company or firm. Hey, I'm going to go over there and spend six months helping these people out, then I'm going to come back. That's way more dynamic than creating a job description, right. you know, internally going through the whole process and moving the money around when really you just needed to see if that's the kind of talent that you needed over there. So I right. thought that was really a tangible thing to just document your assumptions around where do we think we're moving from and to, how would we measure it? And then is this something we really want to do based on, on that conversation and learning? Yeah. What I think something about you say a lot is make sure it's all about the conversation too. <laughs> yeah. So just documenting it doesn't do you any good people. Right, right. <laughs> it's the conversation that comes from it. Absolutely. And what that gets me thinking of as well is the conversation, but an understanding of the vision of where we want to go. Is that clear? So as, as change managers, we oftentimes want to collectively with the team paint the picture of, well, here's where we want to go. Yeah, and recognizing there are probably a lot of endpoints. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's not like Everest that has just the one <laughs> at the very top. Right. And then you're done. You're done transforming and that's it. Uh, something that you and I are so passionate about is building that nimbleness within the mm -hmm. organization mm -hmm. and making sure that transformation is not just a one-time deal, but it's an ongoing process and everybody's involved. Right. That's when you're really going to see that return on time investment as we talked about and, and the true change in culture and people are going to want to work for you and you'll be making money. I mean, there's just nothing <laughs> bad about this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so if you are on a digital transformation journey with your organization, we would love to hear from you. What are your pain points? What are the things that are giving you encouragement with your journey right now? Join us over on the Change Nerd community. We would love to continue this conversation with other like-minded change managers. And with that, we hope you have a great day. Thanks, everyone.